Well, I've changed course. I, I'm on a small smidgen of glass of wine because that's all I have in the house. Lovely orange juice. I have a non-alcoholic beer. All right, then. I need to show off. Anyway, uh, how do you feel after training with uh, Rick Jackson, Sensei? Well, it, it, was the, it was the easiest, in some ways, training session I've ever had with him because I didn't sweat at all. No. Uh, but... Uh, my knee was, was so so to explain what we've just done, we've just done a, a Sazen meditation session online with Rick Jackson Sensei, haven't we? And it was, um, it's excellent. It was great. I mean, it's one of the when we talked about Zen a bit last week in a slightly dismissive way, but yeah, that, that was the real deal. And yeah. almost like you know, I don't really want to say too much about it, really. I think, you know, yeah, yeah. Now he he's he is uh, terrific, and like one of the things that um, I thought kind of, because I, I guess he had in mind that he would do two meditation practices, like within the within. I think it was only supposed to be thirty minutes, was it? Yeah, and, yeah. And and he was going to do two ten minute uh, kind of uh, meditation practices. So I guess he was going to talk for five minutes, do ten minutes, talk a little bit more, then do another ten minutes. Well, he kind of talked, didn't he, constantly until for like a good thirty minutes. Good talk. Uh-huh. It was good talk. I made quite a lot of yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I mean, like you, like you just said, it just boom came out of him. It's amazing. It's pure. It's genius. Pure. Yeah, it it's, it's, pure yeah, I, mean, I I've come away feeling very inspired, and I've definitely found something. And and let something go. I thought was quite good today for me personally. Let something go. Yeah. I mean, the first yeah. time I trained with him, he talked. Yeah, it was fantastic. At the end, he, you know, I was hobbling around a bit, and he just said, "Oh, you know, you're going to get worse." And it was like, no one's ever said that to me before. And it was like, yeah, man, you're all going to end up like me. I thought, oh, it's really, really refreshing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we cannot talk about such things. What's the quote that you quoted last weekend? We oh, well, this talk- is uh, Wittgenstein, uh, Vic- Roshi Wittgenstein, in that with that which we cannot speak about, we must pass over in silence. Exactly. Well, let's do that, and let's talk about things that we can speak about, shall we? We have a rough idea about. <laughs> Shall I start this week? Yeah, go on. Okay, hang on. I have to let my cat out. Well, she's not my cat. cat. I think for the first time ever, I've, I've admitted that she's my cat. She's not my cat. Be gone with you, you pet cat. Okay, she's gone. Okay. Okay, so, um, okay, number one. Salama right. Sensei, what's your five-year plan? Wow. Well, that, yeah, I see you, you know the background. This is the Eddie Izzard question, isn't it? Yeah. We do know this year. So years well, that, ago... What's, Eddie, what's it now? What's now? it now? Okay, let's talk about now. Well, my five-year plan, plan number one, is to keep training. 
and never use um, injury as an excuse and is to find something new. I'm looking for something new in my training and in my practice. So I'm like, and at the moment it's weight training, doing a lot mm -hmm. of weight training at the moment to support my body. Been running again. I, I mean, I ran today for an hour. I ran yesterday for an hour and a half. I've been long, slow runs pretty much nearly every day, resting with me every now and again. So just have a change in my practice. But I don't yeah. know. To be honest, I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to stop training, but I'm looking for something new. I'm mm. looking, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm looking for a new way to train and a new way maybe to live my life. So it's a good question. I'm not giving you a very good answer because it's such a good yeah. question. And it's something I need to address. And yeah. I'm, I haven't really begun to address it yet. Possibly because of this situation. I'm very much in that sort of just getting by at the moment, probably like all of us, because it's very hard to plan. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm slightly waffling. So it, it's a good question. And <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> it's got worse. Yeah. Do you, do you see yourself kind of like, of course, nobody can be like Rick Jackson. But no. um, I mean, is is that because like you're very knowledgeable and I would say I would say in many ways you're very wise. But also in many ways you've you've led your life at 100 miles an hour. Yes. Uh, which is the antithesis of what kind of Rick is, really. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, I mean, like, not that I'd say that you try, would you be trying to emulate someone else? Because I think, you know, like Rick was saying this, this evening, like, we shouldn't, you know, we are the true masters of ourselves. And so we yeah. shouldn't be looking for ourselves. Yeah. But, but is that what you see as a change in the future? Or do you, or do you mm -hmm. see it in a different way? I know that if you, if you could, you've got that, you hit the nail on the head, really. I mean, again, it's like Steve Uber was an ideal, and I'll never be like him. Mm. Rick is an ideal, and won't be like him. I'd like to reach a point where I felt I have, I have something. Yeah. I, you know, do you know what I mean? Again, this is very hard to talk about, really. I'd like to have something that I felt I was comfortable with in my own skin and let lots mm. of stuff go. So I'm trying, in a way, like, it's a bit like, like I love kicking, you know, and it's like, I find it hard. I'm still attached to doing high kicks and stuff and lament not being, I'm going to train with you, to, um, you know, slow kicks. I wasn't as good as I used mm. to be. So I suppose mm. I'm looking with good grace to let things go and maybe yeah. like to be some sort of idealized sort of Tai Chi master guy, you know, those like a Tai Chi master guy who can still move well and do stuff without actually being a Tai Chi master guy. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm we'll, very much, that's very much a work in progress. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll skip over that then, shall we? Because uh, you, you, you're, yeah, you're like, mm, well, maybe. I know, I know no, where I you're coming from. No, I don't know. It's a very good question. It's a very yeah. good question. And um, I'll, I shall try and let, I'll let you know in five years. <laughs> okay. no, but, yeah, I mean, what, the, the last thing I'll say is um, my plan is not to keep on doing what I'm doing now. Yeah but to do something else. Okay, I'm putting glasses on for this. Okay. Ooh. Right, so, right, this is where, I don't know, I've been thinking about this for a while, okay? So this is a two-part question. So ever since I've known you, you've always started your classes with Chokazuki Maigo. <laughs> so I'll ask you about that, so A, why? And then, if we were to, re if we were to re completely restart how you how you teach people Shotokan Karate, would you stick with Ido Kion 
five blocks, five kicks, Oyazuki, Gaikazuki, go Honkumite. Would you kick, or would you completely find a new way to teach? So in Okinawa Karate, it'd be Jumbo Wonder, warm-up exercises, hold your wonder, weight training, Makiwara, Sanshin Kata, or Teki, and the Hanshin yeah. Kata. So does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the, the, so, well, those are two very separate questions. Well, I've, I've, all right, then you can call that question one and two if you want. Okay, question one. Chokazuki and Maige. You know, I only do that when I'm on at seminars. Yeah, well, yeah, yes, yeah. But I and think I, there's a reason for it, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, I never do it when I'm in my own dojo. And to the point where... To the point where, like, sometimes people visit. Like, like this kind of goes below below my radar, really. Like, but like, uh, it's only kind of Ross and Tommy and that, were, and others have mentioned it. You know, people ask and stuff, and and like they'll they'll come to come to the dojo, and they, you know, I'll, I'll start the class, and they're already there, kind of, you know, okay, I'm going to do my chokazuki, and I'm yeah, yeah. I do something different, and they're like, oh, but that's uh, that's not what happens normally, and uh, and they'll say, oh yeah, he never does that at the dojo, and I think what it is is there's a very specific way I do it. And, and, and even like Tommy and Ross now have tried to, so, well, you do it this way. Oh, no, 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 it's not, that's not the way I do it. Well, you do it this way. No, 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 that's not the way I do it either. Like there's a very specific way I'll, I'll do it. And what it is, I think, in many ways, is my OCD. Uh-huh. It's, it's kind of that moment of, okay, this is how I start. And if I start this way, it's not like OCD in the kind of uh, proper sense. It's it's magical thinking, basically. Whereas if I start in this way, then the seminar will go well. And so that comment goes back to kind of 18 years ago when I started teaching internationally, professionally, uh, where I would, I would uh, okay, I'd start. And, and, and basically, it was just settling myself. And even to... To this day, you know, like I'll, I'll go to a seminar, whether it be, whether it be kind of um, Kay and Humphrey Doogie down in Abbeyfield in, in County Kerry, County Limerick, uh, and and I've been teaching them twice a year for the last eighteen years. Every twice a year, I go down to to Kerry and I teach them uh, for eighteen years, and I still I, I'll do the same thing, whether it's that kind of very familiar seminar. Or kind of going to, you know, like uh, next month I go to teach in France for the first time, whether it be that, like I still get that kind of like on edge feeling. And um, and the Chokazuki and the Maigiri is a way of just settling myself. So that's yeah, it's why a very good way to perform. I mean, you know, in terms of comedy, I, I always took me a while. I used to go on and just start, start the set or go on. And then I had this, my sort of performance was almost like, oh, my yoi was saying, hello. That was sort of my thing, hello. And I'd always try to make a joke about where I was. Yeah. A lot of comics do it, like Comedy 101. But it's like, a, it's like yeah. your introduction. But, I mean, do you ever use it as a benchmark because you can tell people's levels straight away? Yeah, there's that as well. But, it, like, there's, there's a very specific way I do it. So, like, I, don't, I generally don't look at what the... Yeah, I, I look at the my Yeah. Like, yeah. Chocolate Duke, I'm always facing away, so I don't see what they're doing. Right. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then uh, I'll look at them doing slowly migiri, and then we'll do spin power migiri. Uh, so I'll have a brief look at how they're doing migiri when they're doing it slowly, um, and but that's it, really. But yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you can you can tell, right? You can you can tell how people do migiri. 
Uh, but generally speaking, it's um, it, it doesn't really inform how I'm going to start the class. The first the first drill that I'll do within a seminar is what I'm judging them by. And sometimes sometimes I'll I'll have the drill and that'll be my starting point. Yeah. And most of the time I'll build from that. There's been occasions where I've started it and I've really kind of over over kind of um, uh, what's the word kind of uh, anticipated. Yeah, I've been on them classes. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll start at that level. Then I'll I'll go. Okay, we'll kind of break that down and go right the way back. Work on things, and by the end of the seminar, we're back to where we started. Most of the times, that starting point is the starting point. But uh, yeah, the first drill that I do is is generally speaking what I'm judging people by. Yeah. So you think it's um, kind of like more for you than for them, the deep Takazuki. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, to the point where if 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 I choose someone to do warm up, and then they kind of like some, you know, some people they'll yeah. they'll, they'll do karate exercises and they'll do chokazuki maigiri. I get really pissed off. Like I didn't ask you to do karate. And in my mind, I'm going, I didn't ask you to do karate. I asked you to warm them up. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. They're almost teaching, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I never say anything. I just kind of mutter under my breath like I do often, you know. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the second question, would, yeah. I, would I change things? Well, what I would say is that uh, I do my own dojo. I don't teach. Uh, I, like, so, like, yes, if I could reinvent Shotokan, I wouldn't teach it in the, in the three caves, Kihon Kumite Kata, um, because... Because I don't, th- I think they're just artificial constructs. I would teach yeah. them. Th- I would teach karate thematically, and that's what I do in my in my dojo. We very rarely do grading syllabus stuff. We very like, rarely it's still starting off left leg in number right. Do a lot of that. Or? Well, like that's now, just the way to start. Yeah, I, I never. You know, I, I, it's horrible to say, but like if if you asked most of my, well, not black belts, but certainly high ranking Q grades. Uh, to do to say moate ginambarai, I'm sure most of them would make a mistake. That's a very horrible thing to say, isn't it? Wow. But well, I mean, when from over, I'll get them to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible, and sometimes it's I realize, like, "What are you doing? Come on!" And I, I make them do it and everything. But because we never just march up and down the dojo, right? Yeah, I know. That, that bog standard moate ginambarai. Now, for sure, they'll be able to step forward ginambarai. But even if we were practicing. Like, I would never start a class by saying, okay, you're a left leg forward, get on right. I just never do it. Even if, even if, like, I'll often start with, like, doing Gakuzuki, maybe. Yeah. And I'll just say, okay, you're a left leg forward, uh, kind of, Kamai, for Gakuzuki Kamai. You're like, whereas a normal dojo, they'd be, okay, you're a left leg forward, get on right. Yeah, okay, get ready. And yeah, I, I, I would never do that. I just okay, okay, you're okay, zinc such and get ready to do Gakazuki. So um, yeah, I don't even do that. Huh? Did Kato Sensei do it? Yeah, all the time, yeah. In Japan you would have done it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean I didn't I didn't pick that up from anybody else apart from like I'm not gonna kind of march these guys up and down the dojo. So like right from the beginning, I was teaching thematically. I was saying, okay, right, this is what I want to teach. This is my idea. Okay, well, we're going to start. Okay, we're going to start in the stance and blah blah blah. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Blah blah blah. And I would run the, and, the, and I, would, I would teach that theme through the idea of kind of like maybe on the spot basics, maybe up and down basics, but highly unlikely. 
maybe elements of kata, maybe elements of kumite, but I'd just be teaching. I'd have one idea in my mind, and for the whole hour of the of the class, that's what I'd be teaching, and still still do. No, and I know so, you. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, a lot of people find that very disorientating, especially high yeah. grades, don't they? Yeah. Which is well, right. I mean, when I changed, I liked it because I thought this is really refreshing. But there's yeah. a certain there's a certain pleasure, a sort of a, a tedious pleasure in the predictability of karate sometimes. Yeah, well, it's like a comfort blanket, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I mean, I, I once oh, I was in Leeds. I was teaching in Leeds, and uh, and someone said, I was teaching Morshigeri. I said, "I oh, just I like, kick Morshigeri," and they said, "Oh, so said, do you want to do you want me to do a uh, like a Kihon Morshigeri or like a, a Kumite freestyle Morshigeri?" And I was like. I don't even understand that question, let alone give you an answer for it. Like, I was like, is that what people think? And obviously it is. And like, so the three Ks of the three pillars of Shotokan Karate, Kiyon Kumite Kata, I think it is a, is a real, it's a great way to teach the masses, but it has such limitations that I, I never, ever bought into it. That's how it happened, you, see, you know, because the, the Keon didn't really exist in Okinawa. There's a great picture at Shuri Castle. I think we've seen it sometime. Mm. And it's someone, I think it's Itatsu Sensei standing on a box or someone yeah. in a box, standing on a box in Gidambarai. Yeah. The whole of Shuri Ka- Castle, a load of people doing Gidambarai. Yeah. And that, that was the beginning of that new way of teaching. Yeah, you didn't see the second photograph where he stepped forward on Izuki and fell off the box. <laughs> and then the castle burnt down. Yeah. <laughs> I remember a long time, the first time I trained with Kanazawa Sensei, got in the 80s, turned up somewhere for his course, and there were so many people there, he was stood on a box. Really? Yeah, and it was like, whoa, wow. Yeah, that's my first standing on a box experience. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is that, does that answer your question? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, and, and it, would, would you keep, are, are you happy with the kata order for the Heian katas? Would you, I mean, I like oh, yeah. the Jono catch is a brilliant cat. Would you ever consider bringing that in officially? Well, no. I mean, we often talk about this in morning training, yeah. about uh, and also like you know like uh, the the alternative end to uh, to chinte and stuff like that. And you know, would we change it and blah blah blah? And I was, like, like my biggest my biggest um, kind of issue with doing anything anything like that structural change within the within the um, within the kind of the foundation of karate is that is that we 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 don't live in isolation you know we 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 are um communicating and 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 cooperating with the wider karate world and so if we started tinkering around the edges or even just kind of fundamentally changing things by adding kata or taking away kata or or calling go to your show die and and show you know like like the skif i mean that's such a small change but like it's, it's it kind of like sets them apart doesn't it it's a branding, it's a branding issue yeah branding yeah but but i think that the, the problem is is that is that this is the this is our international language within the community we know we can go into any dojo in the world and say basai dai yai no basai dai yeah, yeah and do some sort of kind of uh, representation of that that the other people will recognize yeah. um, and also to- we never say you must do it this way yeah, sure. and I think I mean I, I'm quite proud of that. You know, I always say do it the way you were taught. You know, yeah. You know, I hate that sort of dogma. You know, the old dogma it must be you know exact, exactly yeah. this way. Yeah. Your left, you can't use your right leg. You know, because it doesn't matter. Yeah, 
What about I, yellow geezer? Can we wear like yellow geese and enter the drag? <laughs> Only when you wait yourself. Oh, oh. That, that, that wine's kicking in. <laughs> I want an all alkaline beer now. God. That's what quarantine's yeah, called. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. My turn. Yeah. I hope I can answer this one. Don't ask me what my 10 year plan is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, I've been I've been writing uh, I've I've been writing this is not really a question more of a discussion point but I've been writing um, an article. Okay, so the title of the article is is COVID is it the death nail of the monolithic karate association? <laughs> just, Ooh, good, good, yes, good question. I had the title, and then I thought, oh, God, I've got to write an article around that. Have I? I thought, well, that's a good title. Yes. <laughs> Surely that's enough. A very good title. Uh, and so my, my, my premise is that um, I think as, um, what's his face? Uh, Warren Buffett said, you know, uh, when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. Yep, yep, yep. And... Uh, and my premise is that there have been there have been a lot of reactions to uh, the coronavirus and the and, and the lockdown, um, and one of them I think is the growth of obviously karate at home is being is the most obvious example where they've gone on the nineteenth of March I think or seventeenth of March wherever it was uh, Martin decided to kind of Facebook Live his class. And then with, uh, with uh, the help of Nadia, uh, created Karate at Home, and now they are 15,000 strong in over 80 countries. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that's been a direct result of, of the coronavirus, obviously lockdown. And, and so that's one, one response. Another response, I think, is, is how these monolithic karate organizations. What I mean by that is like those cumbersome kind of yeah, stone yeah, yeah. organizations have been very, very slow to respond. And they've either responded by doing nothing, saying, you know, texting people and saying, see you in three months or yeah. the equivalent, or they followed that old paradigm of, well, I'll continue to teach a seminar and this is my fee and I'll charge this much rather than servicing a community that they're the head of for free, maybe, or for in a, in a price structure that is representative of them doing a seminar that is not quite up to kind of like the normal uh, kind of experience. And so, like, I, I've seen, like, they've, they've reacted badly. Some of them, some people have reacted badly to it. And, uh, and I think, ultimately, they might pay the price for that in the long run. Because it's because they've had this double whammy of these people who are members of well-established kind of monolithic karate organisations. They've got this bad taste in their mouth about, about how the seniors have reacted to the situation. And at the same time, they've managed to see how much great quality karate there is out there through other mediums. And they've got that for free. So that's that's the kind of the premise of the article. But my question, sorry, is, is yeah. that do you think... This is a legacy of what's happened in the past. And what I mean by that is that these instructors who have reacted a certain way, they're modern, they're like my age, your age, whatever they are, but they, they're, they're, you know, they've, they're not like 
dinosaurs that started karate in the 1940s and 50s. You know, they're kind of modern kind of karate instructors. But do you think it's because they're just replicating how they were, were, how they were uh, treated previously? And so it's almost like those who were abused then become the abusers in that kind of uh, cyclical way of behaviour that, that sometimes can happen within relationships. Is karate, by de- definition, in some places dysfunctional? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I think the expansion of karate started really with Nakayama and, and, and Takashoka University. And Takashoka University was the Imperial Japanese Army Colony University. They went to Manchukuo. So it's a bit like, imagine it was the Milton Keynes British Empire University. And people went there and they ruled the British Empire. Takashoka University was like a, a, a lesser university. So Kiyo and Masada were the big academic ones. Mm. And they were, Takashoka was basically trained people to go and work in the Japanese Imperial Empire with all the legacy and fascism that happened then. So after the war, Nakayama used that model and they basically sent people out, kids, Anoida Sensei, Kanazawa Sensei, Kaze Sensei was the oldest, he was about 28. The rest yeah. of them were kids, Kato Sensei was young. And they, that, so that model was a very old-fashioned imperial model, empire-building model, which worked really well. And essentially, it hasn't changed. So, again, I'm going to be... Let's, okay, I'm just going to say. So, say, for example, they did that. The JK became this monolithic organisation. The KGB became a monolithic organisation. People who left the KGB, say, for example, uh, Mick Dewey left and became Siku, and that was the same. They used the same model, yeah. same sort of thing. So, the, so it's history repeating itself. And, and like, you know, we know that someone today, I, I noticed today, someone we know is doing a class of $20, a Zoom class, like, you know. And so it's basically, it's just like you set your standard, you, you kind of found out. So there's the WC Fields model, never give a sucker an even break. It's basically, I'm the sensei, this is the group, whatever we do, stick with it. And a disappointingly huge number of people still like that. You know, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, I'm going to name, I'm not going to name any more organizations, but lots of organizations have sensei so-and-so doing it. You give them $20 and they teach a class. Never, they've never do a free class. So, and, and people are delighted to be, to be on it. It's like, it's a gravy train class. And then they've got this wonderful democratization. So people like Morad Sensei's turned up, we never knew, who's yeah. painfully fantastic, who's done courses for us and courses for us your home free, and as I think has arrived on the karate world. Yeah. And then they've got the people, a lot of um, ISKF people over there, JD Swanson's friends, Debian people have met them, all doing free classes, all relatively low grades, but all really good. So yeah, so it's definitely, and there's one other one more thing I'll say, there's one other person who basically Asked for money, so you know, don't forget to pay you. you know, don't forget to renew your license, and then yeah. it's done nothing. So it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, it's a great question. It's like, how far can you push people? So yeah. it's Hooke's law. Everything has an elastic limit. So can you squeeze every last drop out of your members and keep on that goodwill, and you'll lose a few, but as long as it's short term. Yeah. Yes, it's a good question. And I think the other thing is, you know, going from sometimes if it's free, people, some people dis, dismiss it because it's free. Some people like paying lots of it. Yeah. yeah. There's, definitely been, there's definitely been a massive change. And I think, I mean, it'll cross the world to be if there's a massive change. Things have changed. And I think in its own small way, the crafty world has changed. And, you know, um, like 
you know, like today's Rick Jackson sensei thing, lots of people from all over the place I don't know. I gave them the code and they came to train with Rick today. Yeah. So there's definitely, and then other people have basically not risen, not risen to the challenge. Like they've just stayed in the hole or they've got, they've got other people to do it and they have Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I mean, that will have repercussions <laughs> in the long run. But I still think it's a bit like church. You know, say the Catholic Church is like the, the equivalent of the JKA in a way. There'll, there'll always be people who are just, no matter what, be die hard. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, like, like my my premise was that and um, is that um, that not it's not going to be the death uh, nail of 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 the whole organisation because there will always be a JKA, of course. Yeah. Uh, but they will are they like what i was kind of saying was that you know you could say that they've been in a slow decline for the last yeah. 40 years since nakiyama says he died um, yes. 43 years and uh, and and maybe this has put that decline on steroids i think yeah i think you're right yeah it, 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 it just speeded up the decline because all yeah. institutions everything changes all empires crumble yeah. and the, There'll definitely be a new emergency. Yeah. Like massive democratization of presence and also a meritocracy, which we've always wanted. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because quite a few people have done Zoom classes who aren't very good. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and I think you know, Zoom class is the ultimate, ultimate meritocracy, because they're hard to do. And you yeah. know, if, if you're any good, people will come. And if you're not any good, you're there's only you know, there's only so much money they'll pay, and there's yeah. only so many times they'll come. It's interesting, isn't that like uh, like with Zoom, like so much of karate is taught through the kind of like I have to wear this carefully, but the the subtle hint of violence. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. you're a karate, your karate instructor in the dojo saying, "Do that again. Do it again faster. Do it again." harder and there's a subtext there that i'm a tough guy and you will do what i say yeah which is completely and utterly taken away from you when you're teaching yeah. through zoom and so so all of a sudden zoom is about pure teaching and how yeah. can you convey the knowledge in an enthusiastic and clear way yeah because every other every other real kind of tool has been taken away from you and like i like i you know I, i'm we're all guilty of that I, I wouldn't say guilty i mean like i don't think it's a, to, to kind of have that kind of sense of urgency that's that sense of uh, violence but like I, that's that's really not the, the word that i, I really want to use Mick Jackson, Mick as he said today he goes when he ties his belt yeah it's like a demon i think he said didn't it yeah. and he'll yeah, push yeah. you push you and yeah. I, I think, you know, when you like you stand up and you do that warm up thing, you know, yeah. when, when, we, when we go and teach, you've got to be the guy. Yeah. You know, you've got to be the best yeah. guy in the group. But like I said, you've got to be the guy who could do something that they can't do. Yeah, for sure. And there's plenty of times when I've got the biggest guy out, most yeah. of the time, give him a pad to hold and hit him really hard. Yeah. Uh, like not like not like not like the you know, other children who just hit some guy randomly when he's not expecting a hit. Yeah, I'm going to hit you. Really, you've got a pad. I'm going to hit you really hard. Are you good for it? Can you do this? Or sensei, whack! Oh my god, that's the hardest I've ever been hit. So like, there's plenty of times that I've done that where I've 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 used that kind of sense of 
of of reality of of fighting reality to drive my point home which is completely taken away from you in zoom yes yeah that means zoom's been very good you know because it you become a coach and motivational coach. Yeah. And I mean, like I think we said the other week, I think Zoom will continue. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're going to continue. But, but it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to, uh, well, you guys are over in, um, in, uh, in August and then I'm teaching in Sweden and France, hopefully. France will be good, yeah. In, in August. Um, It'll be, it'll be interesting, like not so much when you guys are over, but when I go to Sweden and then France to be elsewhere, to be teaching into, in front of a crowd to see what my teaching style is like. Because it's, you know, we've had these four months of teaching through Zoom and like lots of things have changed. So I'm looking forward to it, actually. No, I mean, I'm desperate to be back in the dojo again. And because you know, yeah. the limitations of Zoom, like nuances have gone, really. And yeah. Yeah, it's much, it's much, and also you know how many steps you can take. Yeah, but you know, getting back to your question, I mean, I mean, sometimes you know the worst of times bring out the best of things in, in organisations. Yeah, and I think you know we we we've seen people just disappearing, people trying to make money, and then you know people doing stuff for free, and then people who aren't very good at teaching. So it's all happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which is which is which is fantastic, and there will be. You know, the world has changed, and karate has changed. You know, and yeah, yeah, yeah and changes are coming. I think you know, or changes here. Absolutely. Got the next question. Okay, next question. Okay, uh, I remember you said to me. He said, uh, "This I, I, I use this quote all the time. Uh, competition karate is only important if you never do it." And I think that I asked for kind of my credo when people talk about competition karate. But just out of interest, can you uh, tell us, the, the world, about your competition karate uh, experiences, career, and how you feel about competition karate now? And do you have any sort of regrets or unfinished business with competition? Do you ever wish you'd done something? No. No, um, no, yeah, no I, I have no regrets. Like, so don't know I won't answer your question. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have absolutely no regrets whatsoever. Like, br- uh, briefly, like, I think... I think you should always like I quite I devalue my karate competition career. I think there's certain people like I know who uh, like Aiden Trimble Sensei, for example. At no point could anybody devalue uh, what he did. No, oh, uh, in in Japan he won in yeah, Japan. Like, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a few people out there who you can go. You can't take anything away from that. But I think generally speaking, as a competitor. Uh, it is a very vacuous, um, a very vacuous experience winning. Yes. And uh, and I was actually watching a documentary today about um, George W. H. Bush, Bush Senior. Uh, it was very interesting. But like he said uh, that he quoted Wellington, who said, and I, "I'm going to par- I'm going to make a mess of this this comment, but this uh, this quote." But he said that uh, something like, uh, "There is nothing as dark um, as the moment of victory, except for the moment of loss." And what what he was uh, equating it to was he when uh, in 19, 1991, he had just won the uh, just uh, beat Saddam Hussein in the first Gulf War, and his popularity popularity was at eighty five percent nationwide in America. Uh, and 
he became quite uh, depressed because he was going to fight the general election, the, the 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 presidential vote, the year afterwards against Clinton, and uh, he lost all momentum because he'd been on such a high, and he'd won the war kind of like in the way that he did, blah blah, blah that uh, that that there, there was there was nothing, there was nowhere to go from that point. And like, I, I'm not trying to equate to competition with war, of course, but but like my point is, is that victory in any sense is quite a hollow experience. And and I've often, so I, you know, I, I won the national championships and the Europeans. Uh, I won the national uh, kind of European individual committee. Uh, sorry, not individual committee. That's the other one I didn't win. I won uh, individual kata. Uh, team cutter, team committee, and I came third in individual committee. And in uh, the world championships, I won individual cutter and team cutter. But I always say, say to myself, well, yeah, but that was a singular organizational championships. It wasn't like the, you know, the WUCO at the time or the WKF. Um, and so it was only the a JKA, and it wasn't even the JKA, it was a Sciences JKA. So like, I kind of like, you know, I kind of bring it down to, well, it, it wasn't that big, it was this big, and it wasn't this big, it was that big. And, it, you know, I kind of, like, I, I reinforce that hollowness and that emptiness of the competition because because I don't want to put any kind of credibility into it. But was it wasn't, I mean, what I'm trying to get is the importance of competition was when you were training for those competitions, you were yeah, probably hard. That's my point. So I, I put a huge amount of emphasis and I have, have pride, you know, you can have pride. I have a lot of pride in, in the, the amount of training that we did for it and, and how hard we trained at that time. Like we were training incredibly hard coming up to the World Championships in 96. Like, you know, I, that was my last year at university. And like every day we were training so hard. Um, and, and so, you know, when I won it, I, I, I wasn't particularly surprised. Like we put, I put so much work into it. But the winning of it was very vacuous and empty. Yeah. Well, people get addicted to it. The celebration was great. And I, I know quite a few people yeah. like, who've won, who've got hundreds of gold medals, and they enter, like, very small competitions. When we had yeah. the first WTK, WTKO championship, someone, a Gojiru guy, got in touch. And so, you know, he sent, uh, you know uh, uh, he sent his entry in. And he was fifth Dan Gojiru. And I said, uh, this, is a, this is a veterans kumite. It's, it's our first competition. You know, it, it's WTK only, first one. You know, uh, you, know, you, 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 you can't enter because, you know, you're far too good and you'd win. You know, I, I, was, I didn't lie to him. I said, we've got six other entries. They're all green belts and yellow belts. They're all over 50. And he sent me a really angry email going, you're denying me a chance of a medal. And I think he was just addicted to medals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, 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 yeah, but I mean, but so you know, competition strategy is not important. But I think everyone should do it. Do, do, do you yeah, agree? yeah. I think I mean it goes back to kind of that violence within the dojo. Like you can't really get good by firstly thinking about karate, or secondly, someone going now. Come on, let's try hard. You get really good by someone trying to punch you in the face. Yeah. Well, all everyone in my dojo, I, I say you can't, you can't, you can't take your black belt till you've entered one competition, which yeah. is normally the ACK yeah. And you've just got to enter it. I don't yeah. care whether you win, lose. You've just got to step onto the mat, kata and kumite, and you, I yeah. they all have. You know, some of them win it, yeah. but they all have to make that step only once. 
And I, yeah. I, I think that's, that's an important thing. Yeah. Yeah. But just, I just, you know, quite a few people poo poo sport karate. You know, those guys are, oh, if I did, did kumi to me, I'd have to kill you. And it's a bit like, no, just do, just do some sparring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And often, yeah. you know, most of the best karate people we've ever met have been very successful in kumite, in competitions. Not yeah. all, but met many of them. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's also a lot of people who who became championships and then quit the next day and they've never done karate again. Yeah. Oh, but, yes. Exactly. There's, there's an awful yeah. lot. Of, yeah. But I, I do I do think that the training involved in order to to kind of become a champion is really important, and the, the fortitude and the will to step onto the mat and, and perform. Kumite or Kata is really important and vital for really to be a part of, to be a black belt like you like you do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Cool. Okay, next question. Is it? Am I asking you? I've just asked you, haven't I? You have just asked me. Yeah. You asked me. Is that just not? Yeah, go on. I've got more. For it's you. my turn. Go on. I'll ask one more. I'll ask one more. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we uh, we. Trained with the well, we we uh, not trained. We we meditated with uh, Rick Sensei, and uh, I'm just wondering, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of talk, and, and certainly kind of uh, there's a great connection with the uh, Japanese martial arts and karate, and that esoteric realm. And what are your thoughts on the esoteric elements of training? And have you met anybody that you would say embodied? Like any sort of esoteric trait. Well, and I mean by esoteric, I mean just beyond the. I know. Yeah. The, yeah. The usual, I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean this whole Orientalism and esoteric stuff is like a a, re- a home for scoundrels, in many ways. That's the trouble, you know. There's a guy called uh, T. Lobsang Rampa, and he wrote a load of books about being a, about going to Tibet. Millions of books, all in the sixties. I bought them in the early days, and the, and he'd never been. He lived in Brighton, and he lived. But he set him up. He set him up as, as a guru and a holy man. And there was a guy called Terry Dukes, and Terry Dukes did uh, did karate in London, and then he changed his name to Nagaboshi Roshi. And there's a great thing called Open Door. So it's on YouTube sometimes. I'll put it up sometime. And he basically found uh, Mushindakai. So basically, there's a whole school of scoundrels. You can hide behind mysticism because uh, it, you know you can get away with anything if, if you're mystical. But I mean, yeah. you know, Rick Jackson is the guy. You know, he, he's real. The other guy is a guy called John Evans. John Ev- John Evans. Uh, he's on YouTube as well. Maybe I'll put the link up for him. He mm. went to Japan in the early '80s and became a Yamabushi, and okay. he's in. Ah, I've got his book. He's got a very, very good book. And he, he's basically trained in the mountains, did all the uh, Shugyo stuff, and did a uh, live sword. I mean, I'd like to meet him. I've spoken to him on Facebook, and I've read his book. Yeah. Uh, anyone else? Now, I'd say um, Rick Jackson is there for us. And my, my, you know, one of my plan is, to, as soon as this finishes, I'm going to train with Rick every Friday. Right. Yeah. It's definitely my plan. Um, and... Other than that, no. I mean, oh, yeah, Bruce Francis. Sorry, I met Bruce Francis once. Bruce Francis uh, did karate, did a kido in Japan, went to Tendai University in Japan, and then he went to China and then Bagua, Singyi, and Tai Chi. 
And I met a demonstration with him, and he was great. Mm. And I was like, I was 28, something, 28. And he, he, called, he, said, he called five people up to this demonstration. And he just stood there, and he goes, right, hit me. And I, I was like 28. I thought, all right, mate, I'm going to hit you. And I just went to, I mean, I don't know what the other people did. And I sort of went this big punch to the head, and I got this palm heel strike in my ear, and I fell over. I don't know what he did. He obviously palmed him and swept me. And I got up, my ears going, and everyone else is on the floor. So he, he, he that was the most impressive martial arts ever because he didn't hurt me, but he totally vanquished me. And I don't know what he did. Yeah, so I'd yeah. say Bruce Francis, John, John Evans, and, and, and Rick Jackson, who, who's, you know, he's, who's got our thing. People yeah. love that myth of, you know, people love the myth of the, the guy who lives in the cave who's really good. And I, I think that is a myth, really. That's a myth in, in martial arts. I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple of Buddhist people I've met have been pretty, very impressive, but you know, yeah. they definitely had something. But they've all trained. The thing about them all, they're all very well trained. And yeah. um, like what Rick said today, I mean, it's a lot about self-training. I mean, the reason you're good at karate is really not because you trained in Japan and did the instructor's course. It's because you trained. So, you know, Rick said yeah. today, you don't do Zoom classes because you should be in your garden training. You know, and a big part of me go, yeah, well, like you, you know, I've been training with you in the morning. You're still doing it. I've been running. I mean, this morning, I finished work today, went for a big run. You know, yeah. um, it's about, it, it's, it's kind of training. Yeah, no secret to it. You, have you found anyone about you? Oh, but Paolo be off Paolo sensei as well. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think like a lot of people looking for that kind of like uh, the magic, you know, that that kind of uh, mysticism where where they can, like for example, I, I know a couple of SKIF guys. One of them once, in all seriousness, seriousness, told me that he once saw Kanazawa sensei step forward Oizuki and his front foot was levitating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the whole, another one very seriously told me about how uh, he did the, the three boards, uh, three uh, centimetre wooden boards and he, he punched it and only the middle one broke. Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing, you know, like, and, and they're looking for, there's a very fine line. Between, say again. Yeah, people love that. There's a, yeah. there's a great book called uh, Buddhism Without Beliefs by uh, Confessions of a Buddhist Atheist by Stephen Batchelor. And he went to Tibet, learned Tibetan, was a personal student with, with his guru for like 13 years. And then one day the Dalai Lama comes to town and it's raining and he's with all these people. And they get the, like the shaman comes out and, and he goes, right. And, and then the shaman goes, it stopped raining. And everyone goes, yeah, it stopped raining. And Stephen Batchelor goes, it was still raining. <laughs> And it's like he goes at that moment he kind of fell out of love with with Tibetan Buddhism because yeah. people like I'm going to swear people like bullshit. Yeah, yeah. That is the trouble. And martial arts yeah. is a you know the Tai Chi, Qi Gong, all that stuff is a whole you know all that fantastical literature of people. I know the Kung Fu films they fly doesn't Qi Gong they yeah. fly. Pete, you know it's great showmanship. Houdini was a master of that. You know, yeah. um, you know, magicians are the master of that. You know, it's it's not mundane. And the true, you know, Shugyo, real training is mundane. There are no secrets. Yeah. You know, but that's but, hard. 
But yeah. I think I think what happens though is that people can reach like through hard training, they can reach such a fine level that the normal onlooker thinks it's magic. Yes, that's true. And then they and they want to go. They say, "Oh, teach me that magic." And then you'll get some you know, like bullshit artist, bullshito, who then goes, "Okay, I'm going to teach you the magic," rather than the ultimate truth, which is. No, you just have to train daily for 40, 50 years. And then you'll reach such a level that you will be able to do things that seem magical to other people. It's like so, chi, you know, I think chi, a good way to, is, is, is great technique. You know, like you said, effortless karate, lazy karate. It's like if you've yeah. got great technique, like, you know, Rick would say the technique does itself. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that that's not like, you know, that's not done by breathing exercise. That's by, you know, Steve Ubel style, blooming yeah. doing, or any an Olympic gymnast is, makes it all look so easy because she spent all her life tumbling and jumping and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's, it's a good question, though, because, you know, people like easy answers to hard questions. And if you can go, um, you know, I, I've got all the power of the universe, <laughs> you know, and there's lots, lots of people who do that. I mean, have you met anyone who's, who's impressed you? I like that. When you were in India, did you meet anyone? When I was in India? Yeah, I went to India. That's a home of people. Yeah. I met, I met, I'm sorry, I just met a lot of really good people. Like, karate-wise, not so good, for, for, uh, but just a lot of very genuine people who were, uh, who had nothing but would give you everything, you know, it's, it's totally cliches, but uh, genuinely at peace. They're all Buddhists. Uh, amazing, amazing kind of uh, mindful people, uh, which, you know, is, is everything really, right? Well, I think the other thing is you always, it's always worth remembering this. Some of the, you know, some people who are very, very good at karate are yeah. like slightly psychopaths, <laughs> slightly uh, very dull because all they do is karate. And, you know, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, there's quite, quite a few people I know have been very good at karate who I haven't liked. Yeah. They're not compassionate people yeah. and they're basically very violent people, far better at karate than me. And their whole life is based on fighting. Yeah. You know, find themselves by fighting. And I think that's, you know, the exact, like, you know, exact opposite of what we should be doing. Yeah. Asai says, Asai says he had something, something yeah. very special. My next question. Sure. Yeah. Okay, go on, go on, ask that question. Then. Well, I was going to say, I mean, uh, I just I said, tell me about your relationship with Asai Sensei and what you think about Asai Sensei. You know, you're, you know, you had a unique, we had a little, no, I'm not telling you, you knew him, you're not wearing an Uchideshi, but you had some Asai Sensei experiences. Please tell us about that. Um, well, yeah, you know, it's strange because, uh, Today, today uh, on the ISKF, ISKF Russia uh, Facebook page, yeah. Demenko Sensei uh, has written, published a, like a four, four episode, four part kind of, I guess, the article about a size sensei. Now, Demenko Sensei would have been back in the day one of uh, uh, one of the students of one of the European students of of uh, a size sensei. Well, Russian, so he was the head of the of the the IJK JKS Russia, um, and so knew him very well. And I, I know him, and he knows me, and blah blah blah. And um, and he was talking at length 
uh, about Asai Sensei and also about about the uh, the people who claim to be Uchideshi of Asai Sensei. Right. Uh, so yeah. you know, two very yeah. prominent yeah. ones. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so if you want to find out uh, what he said, just go to the ISKF Russia Facebook page. And it's all there, and, and I, I broadly support what he said. Like, I think there's a few few little things that uh, are factually um, inaccurate, but like you know, just like may, maybe mem- remembering it wrong. Nothing major. Most of it, the broad brushstrokes of it, I, as far as I'm concerned, is correct. Um, but Asai Sensei was such an important figure, and so talented, and also in many ways very giving with his knowledge. Uh, that it's, you know, since his death, it's kind of produced this kind of never-ending cycle of, of legends and, and people trying to trade on his name. And, and, uh, and, and I think that's a real pity because it kind of takes away from what he really was. And, and what he really was was, was, was a, a very good karate guy who had extremely good points and extremely bad points. And, and I, so the, my go-to story of Asai Sensei is that I wrote it in the book, so it's not a big revelation. But um, you know, I I was on the insurance course, and it was getting it was halfway through my second year, and it was looking like increasingly looking like I was going to finish and graduate, and and uh, and they weren't going to get rid of me. So I got a phone call one day after after instructors training, and it was uh, Ishimini Sensei at the who worked with uh, Asai Sensei at his office in in uh, Shimbashi. And he said, uh, Scott, uh, what are you doing? Oh, nothing, Sensei, just finished training. Uh, come to the office now. Oh, Sensei. So I went all the way down to the office, which is like 45 minutes across Tokyo. And uh, I got there and a side Sensei's there. And he's like, oh, Scott, come sit down, have, have, uh, have a cup of tea. I was like, oh, Sensei, like, this is the first time he's ever invited me. And I, I've many times, we, we've many times he's been to the dojo, many times we've been to his office, but this is the first time just me and specifically being invited. So I'm sitting there going, well, what's all this about? You know, thinking this is very strange. All in Japanese. And he, yeah, yeah. And he, he's he's saying, uh, you know, you're, you're training hard? Or sensei. And body, body's okay? Or sensei. And uh, you're okay for money? You're, or sensei. Uh, you know, uh, and you're, you're kind of, you know, traveling, everything's okay, healthy? Or sensei. Who's your karate instructor? I was like, sorry, sensei? Who's your karate instructor? Is it Kagawa Sensei or is it Kato Sensei? And, and the, you know, the, obviously at the time, uh, Sai Sensei was the head of the JKS and also the IJKA, this shadow kind of, not shadow group, but kind of, you know, um, kind of group within a group. It wasn't even that. It was like, a, it was this odd. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, like that, that was, that was very odd and, and, and there's there's reasons behind it that uh that is for another conversation but um but either way there was two groups and uh and jks was the legitimate one with one with the Hombo dojo the one with the instructors course the one that had a non-profit organization the one that was had full full visible accounts and all that kind of stuff there was the jks and then there was this private organization the ijk kato sensei of course was ijk and you know, the Humble Dojo and all the instructors, including me, were JKS. And he said to me, you know, who's the instructor? Who's your instructor? Kato Sensei or Kagawa Sensei? So I thought carefully and I said, oh, Sensei, it's, uh, it's Kato Sensei. And he's like, good. Don't ever forget that. Wow. That's, I see. I, I think you're going to say Kagawa Sensei. That's interesting. No, so, so, um, 
So he said, okay, okay, good, okay, you can go. So I went out the building and uh, I got to the street and I, I was like, where's Kagawa Sensei? And it was, I think it was a Monday, so it was his, it was his teaching day. So I rang the Hongo Dojo and uh, I had a like, ring and he's like, mush, mush. Oh, Sensei, he's got this good all. Oh, Genkika. You're like, Kagawa Sensei, like, oh, and uh, I said, so I said, so you're, you're the dojo, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, uh, can I come and see you? I've just had a meeting with a side sensei. Oh, oh, okay, really? Okay, come, come, come. So I went all the way back to the, the Hongo dojo. And, uh, and he was there. And he was like, oh, okay, sit, cup of tea. Oh, sensei, <laughs> cup of tea. Uh, he says, well, what, what's the story? What's, what's what happened? And I says, well, you know, he's blah, blah, blah. He's asking me this. And then all of a sudden he said, who's your sensei? Kato sensei or you? And he said, uh, what did you say? I said, uh, Sensei, I thought really carefully about it. And I said, uh, Kanto Sensei. And he went, mm, good. He says, who's your Sensei, really? I says, you are, of course, Sensei. <laughs> he said, good. Don't ever forget that. Okay, you can go. <laughs> Very Japanese answer. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like, so my point here is, is that Asai Sensei was an absolute genius. Mm. Um, and karate, karate was beyond amazing. And like, you know, he would he would punch you, and and it would just make you feel sick. And it punch you like like with a hot, like you felt like a hot poker going through you. Mm. And and what he could do with his body was was incredible. Like he his arm, he used to mimic his body with uh, you know there's the the um, what's it called the Chinese whip. Which is that? I think it's a Chinese whip, which is eight, like a eight-section whip. Eight-section whip, yeah. So and, and he kind of and he kind of wrap it around. So he could use that really well, but he'd also mimic his karate to that. So he'd treat every joint, and every joint had massive mobility. And so even even like this this part of his wrist, he would kind of wrap it around your neck, and he'd kind of make you feel like he'd, he'd hit you there the back of your head and there with his forearm, with his upper arm, his forearm and his kind of like, like high toe feeling. And it, and it go, it go, don't, don't, don't. And it'd make you feel like faint yeah. with the slightest of weeping feeling. And so like, it, it was, it was incredible really. Um, and, 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 you know, he had all these kata that uh, he took from uh, Chinese Kung Fu. His wife's, uh, wife's father was the, his wife's Chinese, uh, Taiwanese. And he was based in Taiwan, and so his wife's father was the head of of White Crane Kung Fu in Taiwan, and he learned everything from him. You know, when he was at his prime in his late twenties, he was living in Taiwan, training with the the head of Taiwanese White Crane Kung Fu, and just absorbed everything and like made shotgunized it in some way. And he so definitely shotgunized it. Say it. He definitely shotgunized it, but it was it was yeah. White Crane Kung Fu, yeah. Yeah. For sure, yeah. But like, just had because of that, had such a great depth of knowledge um, about all martial arts. He was a martial uh, artist, wasn't he? Yeah, and and could use it with devastating effect. Would um, you say so that the, the other, like other JKA, J, like JKS instructors, were a bit bemused by him? Yeah, like we just do shows, like. You know, I mean, I remember, I, I, the first time I saw Asai, he turned up at Crystal Palace just before the split and, like, did this really nice speech about trying to unify Shotokan and stuff, and then he did the demonstration with Otis Sensei. And he was just, like, amazed, he ducked under his kick and hit him in the groin with a high toe. He did all the stuff yeah. you just said. And it was like, yeah. wow, this is, you know, this is obviously, this is a great guy to head the JKA. 
But he was very earnest, yeah. you know, trying to bring everyone together. But yeah. I was going to ask you again, um, how did this matter? You ended up being his model, his UK for a magazine shoot, weren't you? How did that happen? Yeah. Um, well, he, it was, it was strange, really. Um, it was strange, really. Uh, it was, it was just, um, well, it, it, like the the Karate Do magazine, which is like the the karate magazine in Japan, Karate Do. Uh, they they come used to come quite regularly to the Humble Dojo because, like, for one reason or another, like like then the latest Tokyo student would have just won the All Japan Championships, or they did a profile on Kagawa Sensei once, or and Yamaguchi Senpai another time, and, it's, and this time they just happened to 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 turn up and do one with the Sai Sensei. And why did they pick you? Because you're a gaijin. Yeah. I don't know, to be honest. Yeah. And well, they just say, the guy do? Say, yeah. It's a good, good honour, isn't it? And what, so, yeah. I mean, was it, how did the photo shoot work? Um, so they just they just came, and I can't, I can't it was like during the week, sometimes mid midweek, mid during the during the day, and they and I think maybe Kagawa Sensei must have just said to me, Scott, come to the dojo at this time uh, uh-huh. to help Sai Sensei uh, bring your doki type thing. Oh, sensei. So, you know, I turned up not really knowing what was going on. And then, the, the you know, they were set up for a photo shoot. And I've done a few before. Um, you know, maybe, because I, I, I I'd kind of, I'd, I'd helped, I'd done, the only one that I didn't do a photo shoot for was, I think, was Yamaguchi. Sure. I'd done one with uh, Matsuzaki, who was the committee, All Japan Committee champion. Done one with Inada when he won the World Championships. Done one with Kagawa. Done one with uh, Asai. And I guess the only one that I knew went on was, and I didn't help out, was with Yamaguchi. So maybe, maybe it was just like the the kudos of being seen with a foreigner, because you know, like the like you know what I mean, like the the Japanese, like oh, we have a foreigner as well, kind of thing. You know, oh, yeah. I don't know. I, don't know. I was on telly in Japan once at the dojo I trained in the Wado Dojo. Yeah, they, they call this uh, uh, Nihon University Kumite champion guy, and they did Kumite with me. <laughs> Like you know, and it was it was thirteen ippons or something, and he, he won like he won thirteen two. I think. But I remember they definitely picked me up, and it was very much like beat the foreigner. Yeah, Italian wasn't real. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, how did what happen? Did you like tell you what to do or what? No, well, so so normally, so that that was the last one I'd done. Uh, I seem to remember the ones that I'd done before. It was very staged. Okay, Matsuzaki is going to do Kazamazuki, and and you know, and and I'm going to try to block it, and he's going to do something. But it was very staged, that type of thing, you know. And and they'd take photographs. So okay, well, and you know, like it was very much like, okay, what's your winning technique in competition? Or well, my winning technique is blow on this. And well, okay, can you just demonstrate that that kind of thing, you know? Uh, and uh, and and when it came to a size sensei, they were like, okay, so what do you want to do? Uh, as I said, he's typical. Well, I don't know, you know, like okay, let's okay, Scott, let's just uh, move about. And so we started doing freestyle. I mean, he was like 67, 68 at the time. I was like 27, 28. And uh and like we just kind of went for it for like, I don't know, a good 30 minutes with the photographer occasionally saying, Oh, stop, can you just do that? That was brilliant, can you do that again? And and, and a few things he would, he would a few of them were kind of a little bit staged. But most of them were just kind of going for it. And you know, what, you know, what's your go? You know, go. I mean, I've been in situations like that, but nowhere near like this level. But yeah. I mean, your job is to make him look good, but to do that, you've got to attack seriously, haven't you? 
Yeah, I mean, like he was very. It's, it, I, I didn't need to make him look good. He was good. I mean, that was the point. Yeah, so, yeah. But I mean, no, you have to have good intention, don't you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, of course, of course, there is a level of holding back. But at the same time, there's also a level of, of holding back. You know, there's a level of holding back because, you know, he's 40 years older than you. But also there's a level of holding back that if you really went for it, then he could just do you. So there was a little bit of trepidation and fear there as well. But, um, yeah. but yeah, he, it was amazing. Like, I remember after half an hour, he was like, okay, yeah, that was great, yeah? And I'm drenched in sweat. Yeah. <laughs> and he's fine. So, so like, there was, it was, it, it was... It was a great time, and it was really, it was really nice to kind of be in the midst of it at that time. I just, it just, I very rarely kind of talk about him or mention him. I think it's just so much of what's happened since he passed away has really tainted, kind of. But that anybody. happens to any topics, doesn't it? It happens to, I mean, or anyone like that, anyone who is a light that shines so brightly. There'll always be the wrong people will latch onto it. Yeah, that's it. Into Christianity. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't want to be one of those guys who no. claim to be his uchideshi. You know, yeah. it's like come on, or you know, who is who was his uchideshi? Has he got anyone who was? No, he hasn't. That's the thing. Sensei probably was the closest because he used to train with him very very regularly because they used to work together. And so they used to train at lunchtime and stuff. You know, I, I, like, I don't normally name names, but I will name names, like Yokota. Yes. Yokota, when, when, like, I, I saw Yokota once in Japan, uh, and that was after he passed away. Like, the San Jose Dojo in, in, uh, in California joined, I don't know, um, kind of joined the JKS, so they weren't part of the JKA, so he wasn't part of the JKA. So he joined the JKS, and I think it was after I left Japan, so he, he probably joined the JKS 2003, 2004, maybe somewhere, I'm not too sure, not too sure exactly. Uh, but, but certainly, certainly I never saw him training in the Tombo Dojo, never saw him in Japan, except once in 2007, after Sai Sensei passed away, uh, we had a big congress, um, and, and everybody was invited, and everyone was on the dojo floor from all the all the Hobby Dojo instructors, all the Kenshi say, uh, Norman Robinson, who was seventh dan, maybe even eighth dan at the time, uh, right the way down, Jan Spatzek, uh, Jürgen Sokra, all the seniors from all over the world of the JKS were there on the floor dojo, uh, training with Kagawa Sensei. And Yokota, Yokota was at the back, kind of uh, stretching a little bit and like didn't really join and didn't train. I was like, it was a bit strange but okay you know whatever and and then i met him i spoke to him he was a very nice guy uh very pleasant and uh, we exchanged details and then the next thing I, I i heard from him he was asking me oh scott you know uh you know the general kata don't you or, and you know um you know make your knee down right and you can you can you video all the asai sensei kata that you know and send me them please and uh and really? he did the same to jan Spatzek. Yeah. And I kind of, I spoke to Jan Sensei at the time and, and I said, I've just got this message from, from Yokota. And, and he's like, yeah, I got the same. He says, I says, what did you say? And Jan Sensei, who was always bomb direct, he said, he said you know, I've, I've been going to Japan for 30 years and, and uh, inviting a Sai Sensei to, to teach in Denmark every year for the last 20 years. And I've paid my money to learn those katas. So, I'm very happy to teach you the kata 
you pay me my salary, I'll fly over to California and I'll teach you the kata, but you have to pay me. Thank you. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah, so I don't know. I kind of fudged it or something, and I was like, "Oh, sorry, I'm okay, I'll get no, back." The longest thing chances, you know. The yeah, but the, the next thing though, I hear is that he's, you know, well, he's producing books about the cutter and he's teaching the books, and like, and so that's one example of. It's called of, association. I think it's called the Asai. It's got yeah, that it's lightning. Yeah, it it's called Asai. Asai Shotkan Association it's, International. It's got a fist with lightning. It looks like the SS. It's a very unpleasant symbol. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, like I, you know, I, I don't want to say much more. I mean, like I don't. Wanna, but my point is, is that said I don't. Too much already, huh? You've said too much already. Yeah, yeah, but I don't want to be like that. That's the point. I don't want to be that person who's trying to who's trying to just cut and paste a style of karate that was unique. You're just going to be a copy. Yeah, I just think people like Asai Sensei, Kaze Sensei, they're like. The, the unique, you know, the, the, the lights that shine bright and they're their own men and yeah. they're kind of gone, really. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, much as I, I know, Kazai Sensei was great and Kazai Sensei was great, but, I mean, the people trying to preserve it now, it's yeah. kind of, you, you know, you, just, you, you can't preserve it, you've got to move it on. And you're doing this, this karate, you've got a small, powerful, wonderful man or, a, you know, a, a, a tiny, whippy man. You can't preserve it. You've just... You've got to take something from it and move on, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if there's one thing that those two individuals should teach you, it seems that they both have the same instructor, Nakiyama Sensei. If there's one yeah. thing that those two individuals should teach you is that you find out who you are and you find out what your, what karate means to you. Yeah. Uniquely you. And what people are taking from it is, I'm going to try to emulate them. Well, surely yeah. that's the very opposite of what they were trying to teach you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, certainly the same. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I don't. I don't know Kase Sensei. Uh, I never trained with Kase Sensei, but I know Asai Sensei, and that's the thing he was teaching you was to find your karate. So yeah. here's loads of ideas. What works for you? Find I it. Do, do it your way. Yeah. And, and you know, do karate that you know. Kase Sensei is great for people who are small and stocky. You know, yeah. And and who are called Kase. Yeah. Okay, well, should we should we finish on the controversial? I, I, I think I think that's enough, isn't it? <laughs> I hope I haven't said too much. Sorry, no, you know what? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I always I'm always semi reluctant to say stuff, but it, you know, I, I'll stand by everything we've said. Yeah, I'll, I'll finish on a positive note about uh, your quote, Sensei. Like for his age, uh, he's in, in amazing physical condition. And, you know, I'm sure he, I, I don't know his seminars and I don't know his organisation, I don't know his students, but I, I do know that he's obviously dedicated a, uh, a large part of his life to karate in order, because he couldn't have, uh, without, like he couldn't have trained so hard and be as fit and healthy as he is at his age. So fair play to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean you know, maybe that's my five-year plan to be as fit and healthy as people like him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thank you, Zay, Zay, Zay. I'll see you on Saturday for your seminar on Saturday, yes? Excellent. Awesome. See you then. Awesome, Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.